one that, that came out this week, and it didn't get a, a lot of um, uh, media exposure, which I, I felt like it should have, because this one was this one was big. Uh, the Democrat Party came out with a stance, and, and with a couple of leading Democrats that made this uh, stance, that they are they they sent a letter and warned <clears throat> the Catholic Church that the Catholic Church could be stripped of its tax exempt status if politicians were denied communion. <clears throat> now, this is, this is a big one on a few different levels because this is literally, not kind of, this is literally the exact reason we left Europe and came to America. This is the reason. And so this, was a, this is a big one, and, and they're, they're, they're threatening and pushing. And I don't believe that they'll follow through with it, but... There's a lot of things that have surprised me in the last few years. Uh, this, this one's huge, and I've, I've mentioned this before. Most churches, I, I, I'm saying like 80, 85% of churches in the United States would close down tomorrow if they had their 501c3 status taken away, which is their tax-exempt status. Um, t- churches don't have a bunch of extra money sitting around to pay all kinds of property taxes and, uh, and anything else that would come along with that. Um, in fact, Lynn and I were talking about this over a couple different stances this, this week about um, church finances and things like that. And every church runs close to the wire. That's just the way it is. It's, it doesn't matter if it's a small church, a big church. I took two churches um, from 25, 20, 25 people to hundreds in growth, and we were always tight. We were never not tight. It's just the way that it is. Mega churches are tight. Um, but here's something that is, that is kind of interesting to me, and this is the conversation Lynn and I were having was uh, some churches that compromise, when they, when they compromise, they're doing it for um, people and um, money. That's the, the reason, attendance and money. And money is actually more important to a lot of these churches than even the attendance. I'm not saying people, I'm saying the, the number, attendance number. It's not the people themselves. But here's the crazy thing about that is this is a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual endeavor, and we're doing uh, spiritual things. And we have a concept in the, in the church of tithing and giving because you're doing that on a spiritual level. The tithing is a spiritual thing first. It's relational. And, and actually supporting the church and all that kind of stuff is actually what uh, happens from it. But you personally, on a personal level, tithing is a, 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 a commitment and a covenant with God. It's a relationship thing. It's not... It's not money into the coffers, I guess you could say. Um, and that's the weird thing is, is we know this on, on a uh, spiritual level, a theological level, but we don't practice on a practical level. So then, therefore, we compromise and we do things differently so that people will come to church and give money, so we don't want to offend people, we change what we're preaching, we do all this other kind of stuff, although on the other side we're saying this is a spiritual endeavor, which is kind of crazy because if it's truly a spiritual endeavor, we believe that God's the one that's in charge of the finances, right? He's in charge. I don't worry about finances. I used to, the first handful of years I was in ministry, I worried about finances, and I don't. I know sometimes that stresses people, um, but I don't worry about the finances because God will take care of us. As long as we are doing what we're supposed to be doing, we're not, you know, you can't be misusing or abusing finance and stuff, but be obedient to God, do what you're supposed to do, stand for what you're supposed to stand for, and preach the gospel, and God will take care of you financially. And it's interesting that churches will compromise the reality of God and the truth so that they can have finances. But God's the one who supplies the finances. You're stepping outside of his covering so that you can take care of it. Which would you rather do? You be in charge of the finances or God be in charge? Right? You see what I'm saying? So these churches actually hurt themselves, and they don't even realize it. I believe that the reason that they cripple often themselves financially is because they're not just doing what God has said. Just do what God says, and he'll take care of you financially too. This is, this is a major place that we are at with this. And it depends on, on the more that the state, the more I'm saying the state is in federal government, the more that the government pushes back against um, taxes and status and churches and stuff like this, what's it going to take? Where, where is the compromise going to be in those kind of things? <clears throat> Another thing that I saw this week, and I thought I'd just say this this morning, just as a pure irony thing, I just thought it was so funny and ironic. <clears throat> With its power grid under pressure, California asks residents to avoid charging electric vehicles. 
that there's funny. <laughs> oh. So. <clears throat> Which, just so, because you may not know, Tesla just came out with the new Tesla S Plaid. You should look into that. Zero to 60 in under two seconds. I need that car. I have prayed about it. I have closed my ears to whatever God is responding. <laughs> um, something else that, that uh, I saw this week. I, I, so, so Israel is the most vaccinated country in the world. They're like at 98-99% vaccination. They've been very diligent about this. They also do way more testing than any other country. They've been on top of this from the beginning. And, and also they've been very much more controlling too. But all this kind of stuff, they just came out with a study that they've been doing um, for, for quite a few months now. That is saying because we know we know a lot of the statistics, almost all the statistics that are coming out about um, the CCP virus, the Chinese virus, the coronavirus is wrong. Okay, we know this. Um, the if you go to the CDC website, this isn't me. The CDC website where it talks about actual deaths of the coronavirus, only coronavirus deaths, not heart attacks, and they had coronavirus. But only coronavirus deaths, it's about 5 to 10% of the number that you're hearing on the news. So that 600,000 is somewhere between 30 to 60,000 people that actually have died from coronavirus. Okay? It, all the rest has is, is been inflated. Now that the vaccine is coming out, they're going the other way. All the deaths, blood clots, heart conditions, all these other things, seizures that are coming along with the uh, vaccine, they're downplaying, they're pretending like, and they're changing numbers, and they're taking those numbers and making them very small numbers when they're actually very large numbers. Well, Israel came out with some uh, studies, and Israel has also been, even though they're, they're kind of out there on some of this stuff, they have been uh, fairly accurate on their um, accounting of it, okay, their, their statistics of it. And they just uh, came out with a statistic this week that says, that of everybody that is getting, um, contracting uh, China virus right now, this is for quite a few months, of all the people that have been getting, over half of them already have the vaccine. So, just throwing it out there, letting you know. I talked a bit, little bit about some of the, po the uh, political stuff we're going to be uh, maybe jumping into here soon, or giving you an opportunity to jump into um, I mentioned that's probably going to be on July the 6th, but I just found out um, <clears throat> a couple days ago that, that the uh, pastor from Canada that would not close his doors and they came and arrested him, um, Arthur P Pulowski, uh he's going to be here in town on July 6th at Fervent Church, which is uh, down Academy on the uh, east side of Academy. Um, solid church, by the way. I'm, I'm not encouraging you to go to it, but it's a solid it's a solid church. Uh, I've met the pastor, good, good uh, pastor, good, um, just a solid church. But they're going to have him come and speak. And he's the guy that literally, they came and tried to arrest him and shut his church down on Easter in Canada. And he resisted them and ran them off. I mean, you can go on YouTube and watch it. It's, it's fun to watch. Um, he just ran those police right up. But it wasn't really the police. It was the human services or whatever the health department or whatever that was the, the push. The, the police were just there. In fact, one guy was like, the policeman trying to get him to go. But, um, but he's going to be here in town talking at Fervent Church on July 6th, and I thought may, many of you would probably want to go to that, or, or some of you would, or whatever. So, um, so we're going to change that date, probably, maybe change that date when we're going to do the political thing. So Job chapter 1, I'm going to talk about spiritual warfare this morning. And uh, there's, there's some basic things that I think that we, 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 we need to know and we need to get a, to kind of a, a wrap our mind around. <clears throat> and again, this comes back to the mentality that, um, that if, as things in our country begin to change, and, if, and let's say the, country, the, the federal government does uh, take away tax-exempt status, many, many churches, most, almost all the churches across the United States, physical buildings will close down. But that doesn't mean the church closes down. Doesn't mean the body of Christ closes down. But here's the thing that I, I keep pushing this a lot um, this year is 
you're the body of Christ. You've got to take responsibility for the furtherance of the kingdom. You've got to take it on your shoulders and say, if, if this gospel gets preached, I've got to preach it. If, if people get prayed for, I've got to pray for them. If people get set free from stuff, I've got to be the, the catalyst of that. So you, taking responsibility. Well, well, part of that subject is understanding the spiritual dynamic and the spiritual warfare of this. There's a lot of stuff that goes along with this. And hopefully um, through this morning, you'll see some things. You'll have some understanding. And then, and then hopefully it'll also... Um, kind of pump you up about some, some of this. But understand there is a battle going on. Satan does not, Satan does not want God's will and his kingdom to, to win. Um, and, and here's something. I'll, I'm going to unpack all of these things quite a bit. But Satan doesn't necessarily dislike you. He just hates everything about you. Okay? Because you are created in the image of God, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. You are created in the image of God, and you are created by God to glorify Him, to worship Him, to make sure that the world sees Him, as a voice of prophecy to the nation, all these things. You, you are created to represent and reveal God to the world. And Satan hates that, because he hates God, and so he's going to try to destroy you because he's not big enough to do anything to God. Okay? Now, here's the, the secret. He really can't do anything to you under certain circumstances. All right, so Job chapter 1. We're gonna, I'm going to read a, a few sections of Scripture here to kind of give us some foundation of what is, what is our foundational knowledge when it comes to spiritual warfare. Uh, verse 6, Job 1. One day the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord, and, and which is, which is a... Which is a um, not just from the scripture, but from other scripture. It's a military, it's a military type of uh, structure. They come in before God. They they get their marching orders. They go back out. Satan and the accuser, Satan. So so let me just throw this in here so you can understand how certain things. When I talk about demonic stuff, I always use the term Satan. You understand that Satan is the word Satan means a few different things and has some limitations to it. The the word Satan. There is, there is, the, word, there is the, the verbiage, the Satan, which is right here in Job. It's, it's called the Satan, which is a, a, a personal pronoun, and it means the individual that we call Satan. that was Lucifer that fell from heaven and is called Satan. A lot of times in Scripture, the word Satan just means the accuser. It can be demonic presence, but it doesn't necessarily mean Satan himself. Okay? Anytime I'm talking about spiritual stuff, I just say Satan, and I mean a lot of different things, okay? Like if I'm saying Satan is picking on you, I don't really mean the Satan is picking on you because for the most part, I don't think the Satan knows you. I don't think he knows me, all right? Why do I think that? But when the, when the, um, when the uh, sons of Siva were, were this, uh, this guy is going to cast the demons out, right? And he goes up and he, and he starts to cast the demons out and the demons say to this guy, um, who are you? Okay? And he says, um, Paul I know, Jesus I know, but I don't think I know you. And what he's saying is on an authority level, I don't know who you are, and then he kicks his rear, right? All the demons just tear this guy up. Okay? I don't think Satan necessarily knows me. I don't think he necessarily knows you. He could, but I don't think he does, and you'll see some of this. I think he, I think he knows some people's under certain circumstances, but even the demons don't necessarily know. Here's why. Here's some of the reasons. The Lord asked Satan, um, where, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. So God is sitting there in the throne room and, um, and in the court and all of the other uh, angels, God's creator, created beings that do things, um, they come in to interact with God. Satan sneaks in with them. God obviously knows. He sees him. But here's the thing. Satan is not omnipresent. He's, he says, I've been on the earth. You know that, that, that moment when um, we, we think, sometimes we think it happens much later in Scripture, later in time, because it happens much later in Scripture. We see in Revelation, I think it's 12 is, is the bigger place that we see it, where it says a third of the angels are, are cast down. Um, Satan is cast down with them. Well, that has to actually happen before the fall in the garden. Now, 
It, it may not have already happened by the, the time of creation. We, we don't know. It could be debatable. But by the time of the fall of, of Eve eating the fruit, Adam eating the fruit, it already have had to have happened because Satan's on the earth. So it already had to have happened by that time. Okay, So that's, that's kind of early in our story. Um, this particular thing that we're seeing here is, and by the way, Job, the book of Job is the earliest written book that we have uh, in the Bible. Now, it's not the earliest part of the story. Earliest part of the story is Adam and Eve. That's part of the Pentateuch. Moses wrote that. But Moses wrote the Pentateuch after Job wrote Job. This is very early in time. Why is that important? Because we're getting a lot of spiritual warfare information here, um, uh, information about the spiritual entities very early in this story of Scripture. Okay? So where Satan is patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on, he's limited to the earth. He had to go to the courts. God doesn't go to the courts. God is the courts. God's everywhere. Satan is not. That's important. We'll unpack that a little bit more. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. This is, this is actually the, the term in... Um, this is the Greek term. It sounds like uh, the Spanish term diablos, but it's the Greek term diabolos. It's, it's where diabolos came from. And it's, Spanish took it from the Greek. But this is actually this personal pronoun of the devil, but it also gives us diabolos can be demons too. Okay? So... Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. <clears throat> this could be the Satan, the person, the entity Satan, or it can be demonic powers. They're trying to destroy you. They're trying to devour you. At all times, they're trying to devour you. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. That tells us if God tells you to do something, that means you can do it. God's not going to tell you to do something if you can't do it, okay? So when he says stand firm, that means you actually have the ability to stand firm against Satan and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family, that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. That, that's, a good, that's a good sentence for us just to remember on a regular basis. I don't know about you, but I get to, I get to certain times where I think my world is the worst of anybody's ever experienced, Right? You ever been there? I know it's not just me. You get to the point where you think, I can't get through this. This is worse than anybody. But this right here says, no, actually a lot of people are going through some pretty big stuff. And if you just think about spiritual persecution, guys, we've had it very good in America. You know that. People are, are killed. And if, if you are not, I mention this every now and then, but if you are not a, a, an email subscriber, you need to be an email subscriber to uh, Voice of the Martyrs. V-O-T-M, Voice of the Martyrs. You need to be an email subscriber to them because you'll get stories every single day of Christians all over the world that are being brutalized, they're being murdered. You know, we didn't even hardly hear about this in American um, news this last week of, of um, uh, and now I just forgot the names. In Africa, 30-something people were massacred just this week, just because they didn't go along with the Muslim mentality? Ha um, hacked them to death with machetes? So, so we really don't know what spiritual persecution is. We understand what suffering is, and, and we've all been through that. But the idea that somebody would just walk through your community and just start hacking you up with machetes because, you didn't, because you're not Muslim? Okay, so... 2 <clears throat> Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from the people who are perishing. This is important. Satan, who is the god of this world, this is the, this is the Satan, this is the man. Satan, is, who is the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. If, you, if you're choosing... To not accept Jesus, if you're choosing to, to not believe in Jesus Christ, it gives Satan the authority over you. See, God has the authority over everything, right? God is the supreme. 
But Satan is the God of this world. This world is under the authority and the domain of Satan. That happened in, when, at the fall. That happened when they, the Adam and Eve chose to, to stop submitting themselves to God's plan and authority. God said, don't eat that fruit. And they made a conscious decision to eat it. That means they are switching authority over to Satan. And they, and they didn't realize they were doing this totally. But they were being disobedient. That they knew. And by being disobedient, they surrendered the authority that God gave to Adam. God said, Adam, you're, you're the authority over the earth. You have dominion over all the earth. You are in control. You take care of. He gave him the authority over everything. When, when Adam and Eve surrendered and submitted to Satan, they gave that authority over Satan because they submitted themselves. Anything you submit to has authority over you. They submitted themselves to Satan. Now Satan has the authority. Now here's the, the interesting thing, though, is Satan still has authority over the earth, still has authority over people, but, but as individuals, we can choose to surrender ourselves to Jesus Christ, be covered with the blood of Jesus, and we are pulled out from under the authority of Jesus. Now, we're still living on the planet. We're still living in, in, with all the stuff that goes along with that, but we're not under that authority anymore. Now, the authority that we're under is God. So his covering, his blessing, his, all of the stuff that comes along with him, we are now under his authority. Satan does not have authority over us anymore. That's why when people say, and I've, I've heard Christians all my life say this. <clears throat> the devil made me do it. Not true. Not true. You lied. You made you lie. Okay. It says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. They're not getting it because they are submitting themselves to something else. Now, I don't think that most people in our country that are, that are putting themselves or allowing themselves to be or remain under the authority of Satan are doing that um, consciously. In other words, I don't think they are saying, Satan, I want to belong to you. I think what they're doing is they're just uh, attaching themselves to whatever he's offering. And they're, and they're taking whatever he's offering. I, I don't... I really don't think, and this is, this is a little bit outside of our knowledge from what Scripture tells us, I don't necessarily think that Adam and Eve knew they were dooming all of the human race by submitting themselves to Satan. I think they were just buying into that. They really liked Satan's argument about the fruit. But see, God had already said, don't do this. And, and when God says that, anything that you allow to entice you is turning your mind, your vision, your direction, your heart, everything, the, the other direction, and you're heading the direction that Satan wants you to head, which is toward him. That's what sin does to us. It may start very small. It may start um, simple, but pretty soon Satan is the one that's in control because of submission to the authority. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil the commander of the powers in the unseen world. That Satan is over the, the demonic forces. The, the third of the angels that have fell, Satan is over them. He is the authority. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. So how do you get the spirit of Satan not over your heart? You obey God. If you obey God, the spirit of the unseen world, the, the demonic power, Satan himself, is no longer your authority. Which means the demonic powers cannot mess with you. I, I talk, I've been talking about this a little bit on Wednesday nights, and um, I kind of brought it up Wednesday night, and I've made a final decision. Um, we're going to start, in a few weeks, we're going to start, as, a, as everybody together on Wednesday nights, we're going to start walking through the book um, Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis. If you've never read that, please get it and read it. Even if you, even if you do not come to Wednesdays and have no desire to ever uh, serve God on Wednesday nights, <laughs> still get the book. Please get the book and read the book. It is the best spiritual warfare book ever written, I believe. Okay, But we're going to walk through it as a body together and really look at this stuff. It's just powerful of understanding... How, how uh, demons mess with you and how they try to convince you of things and, 
and, um, and twist things. And, and this is the thing. Satan is never going to hit you head on. He's never. He's not going to hit you where you're strong. I mean, he may, he may try that out every now and then just to see if you're still strong. But that's not, that's not where he's going to attack. He's going to attack in the roundabout. He's going to attack in the back door mentality. He's going to attack your mind, your attitude. He's going to attack where you're not thinking about. He's going to attack in how you think about um, your spouse or how you think about uh, people in your life or, or whether you're going to compromise at work. That's where Satan is going to attack you. He's not, he's not just going to walk up and hit you right in the face. That's not how he works. And, the, and, and usually, this, this is an indicator for me. This is a litmus test for me, like sirens go off. When I catch myself having attitude about things that I shouldn't be having an attitude about, right? does that make sense? You're, you're getting just a little cranky, or you're getting um, impatient, or with people that you shouldn't be, right? Or, or, or all of a sudden, things are negative. Things are negative that shouldn't be negative. Um, the, the easiest place you see it is in marriage, but, but really it's in everything. When you, why are you irritated about this? Though that, that, that could be, and most likely is, an indicator that Satan is, is you know, peeling some of the paint off and scratching a little bit, and he's getting an inroad, and you're not paying attention to it. Pay attention, because that leads to something else, leads to something else, and pretty soon you're doing stuff that are, that are way outside of what God is okay with. And it started with just, he, he just got in your mind, just got in your heart. We're going to look at that here too. So <clears throat> um, it says, he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. So I'm going to choose to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. When, you, when the passionate desires and inclinations of your sinful nature seem to be taking over more and you seem to be giving into them more, Pay attention to that. Pay attention to that. Um, I, I think I was talking about this on the Wednesday nights, but, but um, the movie Fireproof with uh, Kirk Cameron where he, he busts up his computer because he couldn't stop looking at porn on his computer, so he busts his computer up. Guys, that's a, that's a very solid approach to, to that subject. If wherever, whatever arena you're having problem with, when you feel that your passions are, are gaining ground over your self-control, that's because Satan is winning something there. He's winning a battle there. So pay attention to what your, your passions and your desires, your inclinations are, are doing and saying. This is why fasting is so important. You, you feel your flesh getting pretty strong? Fast for a day or two. Fast, and it puts your flesh back in order, and you says, no, you're not in charge, God's in charge. Take authority over this. You have the ability, you have the ability to, to be in, in, in a, uh, under God's authority and in control of your life. Satan does not have to manipulate you. You have the ability, but you got to work at it. It's, you, you, like I said last week, you can't take a day off. I was talking to fathers, but it's up for all of us. You can't take a day off. You've got to be pleading the blood of Jesus over you and your family. That's purifying. I talked about it. You're not doing a physical sacrifice. You're pleading the blood of Jesus. You're praying the blood of Jesus over you, your mind, your heart, your, your family, your children, your, your, your grandchildren, whatever. You're, you're, you're purifying. Why? Because you can't take days off. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But our, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger like everyone else. Now, I'm going to give you four things from these scriptures that I just read. I'm going to give you four things <clears throat> that I think will um, explain all that and help us with some things. <clears throat> when it comes to the, the, the battle, the spiritual warfare, everything that's going on, number one, God is absolute authority. That doesn't change. No matter what, God is absolute authority. God is in control over everything. Even, even talking about Satan has authority over this planet. Okay, yeah, he does, but God's still in control of that. God's in authority over everything. God's in authority over Satan, over the planet, over everything. But God is also allowing people to make a decision on this planet right now. He's allowing them to make a decision. Do I choose to chase after the groom-to-be, Jesus, or do I let Satan entice me with whatever else is out there? I'll tell you one of the coolest stories that actually I think is one of the most biblical um, uh, biblically solid spiritual warfare stories that has ever been written, but we don't think about it like that. 
is Pinocchio. You should read Pinocchio again. Read it from the eyes of the mentality that Jiminy Cricket is the Holy Spirit. Just read it from, that's all I got to say. Just read it from that point of view and, and pay attention. I believe that when it was written, it was written for that purpose. I believe it was a spiritual warfare book um, couched in, in a fictional story. Guys, Satan is always going to be messing with us. But here's the thing. We have the ability, the, the privilege, the opportunity to submit ourselves to God, the final authority, and we can be under his authority, which means he's in control. Okay, the first thing is God is the absolute authority. That never changes. God, go to the end of Revelation, you'll see how it all ends up. God's in control. If he wasn't in control, that couldn't happen. Okay, the second thing is that Satan is limited to time and space. He's not omni-anything. He's not omnipresent. He's limited to time and space. He can't be everywhere at the same time. Okay, we see that all through Scripture. Why are these things important? Because I think we give Satan too much um, ability, power, and, and control. Mentally, I'm saying. Okay? At the same time, I think we better respect the reality of Satan and sin and temptation. Don't ever just take him for granted. He's not that big of a... No, Satan is real. He has power. And he's been doing this for 6,000 years. And this is why he can convince you that he can read your mind. Because he's, um, he's not omniscient either. But he can convince you he can read your mind because he's been studying human beings by the billions for thousands of years. So he's pretty good at what he does. And he is powerful. He can do a lot of things. Okay? When, when, Moses, when, when Pharaoh, uh, Moses threw down his staff, it turned to a snake. Well, Pharaoh's um, demonic-powered people um, all threw down their staffs and they all turned to snakes. But then what happened? Moses' snake ate all of the other snakes. I wish I could have been there. Every time he went to a new one, be like, yeah, 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 that's right, Pharaoh. Where's your snake? Because I don't know how many there were. Five, 10, 30, 50? How big was this snake? But, but <clears throat> Moses' snake ate all the others. See, Satan has power. God's the ultimate. So Satan is not all-powerful. He's not. He's not all-knowing, omniscient. He's not. He cannot read your mind. Don't buy... I thought for years that Satan could read my mind. Scared me to death. I thought Satan was making me do certain things. But I knew he wasn't. I was just giving in. And here's the thing is, sometimes the thing that you're being guilty of, whatever that, that is, and however you look at that, that's not necessarily where you're giving in. You can be giving in over here. But when you give Satan authority, he has authority. And he will mess with you. Respect him, but don't be scared of him. 1 John 4 says that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. We, we do not have to be afraid of Satan. But don't just take him for granted. He's not all-knowing. He's not all-powerful. And he is not uh, all-present. Okay, He's not. He's limited. Time and space. He's limited to rules. That's what Job shows us. He's limited to the rules. Who sets the rules? God. He's the ultimate authority. Satan cannot mess with you unless he is given permission to do so. And there's only two people that can give um, Satan permission to mess with you. You and God. That's it. Now, God does not want Satan to mess with you, but if you let him, if you go there, if you're not obedient to God and you're not doing what God says, you're setting yourself up. You're opening yourself up for Satan to manipulate you, mess with you, oppress you, potentially all the way to the point where you're not serving Jesus anymore, you're serving Satan. Okay? This is something that we have to, to know. The third thing, Satan is our enemy trying to devour us. Again, he hates God, he hates the image of God, and you look a lot like God. I believe physically the least. I believe the most way you look like God is um, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and then physically in that order. Okay? Um, and, you, and, and Satan can't stand that, so he wants to mess with you. All right? Um, the, the fourth one, and this takes me into the rest of, of these scriptures here, the fourth one I, I think is important for us in how we practically live this out. Uh, Satan works from the inside out, not from the outside in. Uh, American Christian, well, really the whole planet, but Western society, we're very much 
outside in, and Satan is very much, and so is the Holy Spirit, by the way. Satan and the Holy Spirit are inside out. In other words, where is the first place that Satan messes with you? Your mind, not your body. Satan messes with your mind. I'm going to show you some scripture about that. But Satan messes with your mind. The next place he messes with is your heart. First thing is your mind. He gets you thinking a certain way. That begins to change the way you feel, believe, and, and, and uh, act. Then that plays out physically. We think about the exact opposite because we're, we're very limited to this as human beings. We focus on the, the tent we live in instead of the person inside the tent. Well, you know, Satan, uh, Satan give me cancer. I'm going to have cancer, and then I'm going to die from cancer, and, and then Satan's one. It's not what Scripture says. Jesus himself said, be more concerned about who can send your soul to hell than, than anything that can be done to your physical body. You can get cancer and die as a Christian, and you win. You don't lose. Paul says to live is Christ, but then what? To die is gain. I went, no, I don't, I don't want to die. I, I, I mean, I'm not worried about dying. I don't want to necessarily die today. Um, I, I, I look forward to lunch pretty much every day, and I don't want to die before I eat lunch. Sometimes right after lunch, I'm like, Jesus, take me now. So, but I, I don't want to die today, but here's something, guys. This is, this is as honest as I can say this. I'm not scared of dying. If I die today, I, I get to be in heaven. I used to think, I used to think, well, I'm not worried about dying. I'm just going to miss all the people. I'm going to miss all the stuff, right? Like watching my granddaughter, my grandson grow up, and my other son eventually having grandchildren for us, and my daughter maybe someday finding a guy. I don't know. I mean, you know, I miss all that stuff, right? But here's what I realized literally about 15 years ago, this clicked. You realize when I step into eternity, I'm going to actually be able to be closer, closerly connected to that stuff than I am now. This is what I I've been talking about this for the last couple of Wednesday nights, about Hebrews 12, where it talks about that I'm watching those that have gone on before me. I mean, I go on before them. I'm watching those that are still on this earth. I'm watching what they're doing with the life of faith. That's what Hebrews 12 says. So I get to watch what's happening. And because it's, I'm with Jesus and because it's spiritual and perfected body and all that other kind of stuff, I'm probably understanding and connecting with it on much deeper levels and probably enjoying it more than I could here on this earth. They're just going to miss me. I'm going to leave a huge hole when I'm gone. Massive. People will be crying all over the planet. <laughs> Here's the reality. Satan is working from the inside. Mind, heart, then body. And he does this on a spiritual level. Okay, this is... This is, again, I reference this every now and then. This is what Romans 6 and 7 are about. Okay, John 8, verse 44. For you are the children of your father, the devil. I really like the fact that Jesus said this. Um, he said it to the church leaders too, right? Yeah? Because um, I've had people over the years, not, I mean, not a lot. Well, yes, a lot. But I've had people over the years critique because I say things too strongly sometimes. I'm just trying to be like Jesus. For you're the children of your father, the devil. Have I ever said that to anybody in this room? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Correct answer. Not yet. You love to do the evil things he does. Jesus is not pulling punches here, and he's talking to the church. He's talking to church leadership. Why? Because the church leadership is setting the stage for people to be blinded, not helped. Blinded. Talking about Satan, Jesus says he was a murderer from the beginning. He's always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. That's a very important statement. Anything that Satan is trying to entice you with is coming from a lie. There's no truth in it. That's why people say things like little white lies. No such thing. That's a, that's a deception of Satan. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So that's the first thing. We're gonna, I'm going to go to the next one, then I'm come back. So the first thing is everything that Satan does is a lie. The second thing, and this is in the, uh, the armor of God, Ephesians chapter 6. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith. What is the shield of faith? 
the, the knowledge that God is God and that he's the authority. That's what faith is. We, we use faith more as a, as a verb kind of thing, as an action. It's not bad. It's correct to use it more to accomplish certain things. <clears throat> we, you know, my, I'm going to have faith to whatever, to pray this, believe this, whatever. But guys, at the end of the day, faith starts with the, the, the foundational, um, consistent knowledge that God is the authority He's God, I'm not, and I'm submitted to him. That's what faith is. Okay? God's word is, is the truth. God is truth. I'm not. When we can, that's, that's, the why, um, that's why humbling yourself has to be part of this so much. Because to get to a point where you recognize that God is God, you've got to humble yourself before God. Okay? So as you humble yourself and you, you acknowledge that God has got over everything, that's faith. That's the shield of faith. And it says, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows. These aren't like full-length longbow arrows. These are little, that's why uh, King James calls them darts. They're like little mini arrows kind of things, okay? <clears throat> to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. So here's what we're learning from these two scriptures put together. Everything that Satan does is a lie, Everything he says, everything is a lie. And the second part of it is, and the biggest weapon he has is a small, fiery dart. This, this took me years to really figure this out. I mean, I knew it, but I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't get it inside my spirit for a long time. I literally thought that Satan had like nuclear bombs and big tanks and all kinds of stuff like that. Because that's the, that's the uh, havoc that he seemed to uh, wreak upon me. Right? But then I realized, wait, everything he has is a little fiery dart, and all it is is a lie. That's it. He doesn't have big weapons. He has lies. And he's going to mess with your mind. He's going to get in your mind and tell you a lie. That's all he's got. He doesn't have all this armament and, and, and all these, these things that he can do to us and, and make us do this. And he doesn't. He has little fiery darts that, he, that, he, that he, he shoots at your mind, and then he keeps shooting them until you start to believe something. And when you start to believe something, you will start to go that direction. The more you believe, the more you go that direction. Or the other way around, you stop believing something that God has said, and so you stop going that direction. In other words, if you know that God is the healer, you know Scripture says this, you've believed it, but then you pray for something, you don't get healed, and Satan shoots a fiery dart and it says, God doesn't heal today. God's not the healer. Oh, he says he is, but he doesn't really do it. Or at least, and this is the way it's worked on me, he heals other people, but not you. And he keeps shooting that dart and keeps shooting that dart. Pretty soon, you won't even pray for healing anymore because he's changed your thinking. That's how he fights you. He has fiery darts. We do not have to be afraid of Satan. He is not effective any more than we allow him to be. He is limited completely to how much we allow and you say, well, what about Job? God let this stuff happen. That's because God knew Job. That's the whole, that's the whole point of this. God knew Job. And he knew, Job, you're going to make this. You're going you're to stand strong. Believe in you. It got a little crumbly there through the story. But at the end, Job kept his eyes on Jesus. That's where we get to with this. So that, what do we do about it? <clears throat> Two things. <clears throat> the first thing is we focus on Jesus. Let me show you this. You may never process this. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son, Jesus Christ, also became flesh and blood. Why? Why did he become flesh and blood? Because we are. What does that mean? In, in uh, John chapter 1, it says, in like verse 14, it says that um, Jesus took on human flesh so he could reveal God's glory, so he could glorify God. So how is he going to do that? He says it right here. For only as a human being could he die. That's why he took on flesh and blood, because he had to die. He was perfect, sinless, so his death was going to mean something different than all the other physical human beings that were dying. His death was going to mean something different. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Now, if we stop right there, you don't get the whole story. You can actually give Satan a little more credibility than he deserves. 
Jesus takes on human flesh so he could die, so he could destroy the stronghold of death. But here's the reality. So death starts at the garden, right? Death is still going to be part of the earth, still going to be here. But as I was saying earlier, the same concept as authority, what Jesus stops is the authority of this death, the power of this death. Until, until this earth has been uh, burned up and started over with the new heavens and new earth, death is always going to be a part of this planet. So Jesus wasn't stopping death from happening. That's where we, that's where we think about this. He says, um, for only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil, the power of the devil, which is the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Not the dying, the fear of it. <clears throat> what do you think has been driving the United States of America for the last year and a half? The fear of dying. That's what's been driving us. The fear of dying. Not the actual dying. Guys, even with all of the messed up, um, twisted, lying, perverted statistics that the CDC and everybody else has come out with saying that 600,000 people have died, that is not true. Not of COVID. That is not true. Even with that statistic, we still have a 99% life rate in relationship to the virus. Okay, so here's my question. If we're living by the 98 to 99 percentile, according to the false numbers, why are we so scared? Many things in history has taken our lives much more than that. Right? Heart disease takes more people than that. Abortion takes more people than that. Cancer takes more people than that. Why are we so scared of this? Because it's spiritual. It's the fear of dying that Satan is playing us. Because Jesus died on the cross to take authority over this thing and break the stronghold. But guess what? We're not fearing God anymore. We're not obeying God. So Satan can manipulate our mind and our hearts and cause us to be wrapped up in fear all the time. And here's the scary part. is This is why much of the church has been caught up in this too. Because the church, and I'm saying specific, specifically leadership of the church across the nation, they stopped fearing God, they stopped obeying God, and they're letting Satan manipulate them with fear. That's how simple it is. That, that sounds strong for me to say it. But guys, you, you can't look at Scripture and come up with any other reason. It would be different if this thing really was killing millions of people. But it's not. And we're scared to death. All over the world, we're scared to death because Satan is playing us. So what do we do? The first thing is we focus on Jesus. Get your eyes on Jesus. Jesus broke the strongholds of Satan. He broke the power of death. He breaks the lies that Satan gives us. But you've got to focus on Jesus or you'll miss it. The second thing is, is that we resist Satan. James chapter 4, verse 7 so humble yourselves. And that's, that's the beginning of wisdom, by the way. But this is the beginning of, of, uh, of how you resist Satan, too. You humble yourself before God. If you continue to humble yourself to the sin and to Satan and everything else, Satan is not going to flee because you're not resisting him. The way you resist Satan is you humble yourself to God. God's the authority. He's the one that's in charge. He's the one tearing down all the stuff. Humble yourself before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That is a promise. He will flee from you. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of what? Because this is where Satan fights. This is his battleground. We're tearing down Satan's strongholds of what? Human reasoning and false arguments. Little fiery darts of lies. That's all it is. Human reasoning. That's what, that's what godly weapons and warfare fights. is human reasoning. What you're thinking, because society has told you this. How much have we learned in the last year and a half that society tells us something and we just 
buy it. We just hook, line, and sinker. They're still trying to tell the, tell the lies that the media is that Antifa had all these peaceful riots. They're still trying to tell this. Do you realize that, that um, Portland is still under riots? We've forgotten about it in places like Springs. Portland is still under riots. Fires, looting, you know, peaceful. Peaceful summer of love. That was last summer, by the way. And it's still going because we just buy into whatever, whatever we're told. We just buy it. BLM's a good thing. We just buy it. We just buy this and we just eat it. Somehow this is good. Critical race theory. Oh, it's good. We should all believe this. Guys, this stuff is, is demonic. It's horrible. It's destroying us. And, and we're just believing it. Because why? It's human reasoning and just uh, false arguments. But he says here, we use God's weapons, which are what? Shield of faith. Put the shield of faith up. I trust God. I trust his word. The sword of the spirit. I trust his word. I don't listen to all the other stuff. And it tears down the strongholds of human reasoning and, and destroys the false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture the rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. So how do you do this? You get your thoughts in, in line with the word and in line with God. Now, here's the thing. To do that, you're going to have to push other things out of your thought process. You understand that? Okay? Going back to what I mentioned earlier, porn, you're not going to be God's thought processes and porn are not going to coincide. You've got to get rid of the stuff that is attacking that ability to bring that thought obedient to Christ. When you get a thought, is it, is it from God or is it not from God? If it's not from God, cast it out. If it doesn't line up with Scripture, cast it out. If it's built upon fear, cast it out. Built upon doubt, cast it out. And you begin to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to think on, and this is Philippians chapter 4, um, verse 7, I'm going to think on these things. Right? You've got to make a conscious choice. Think on these things. All right, stand with me if you would. So here's what I'd like us to do. <clears throat> I'd like us to pray. I'd like this one to be a little bit more uh, proactive. Um, you don't have to, obviously, do this. But I'd like you to, um, to the answer to my question, we're going to step out and come down front. We're going to let this kind of be a point of contact for our faith. Um, now, I know I grew up in church. I know these are difficult things, and you're going to sit and argue with yourself about this. Don't, it just, just skip that part and just come down front, okay? It'll, it'll make it quicker. We can get to the prayer part quicker. But here's the thing. If you feel like you, you, Satan's really kind of kicking you in the teeth right now, and you feel like he's winning, we want to stand with you, and we want to pray with you, because we want to tear down those strongholds. We want to tear down that stronghold. We want to help you do that. So if you're saying, man, I just I feel like I'm under the pressure right now. I feel like Satan is winning some battles. And, um, and I'm not sure where. You may not know where to address first. Holy Spirit knows. He'll show you. He'll show you where you got to go to. Okay? So if you say, that's me. I need, I need somebody to pray with me. I need to really work on this. Um, I, just, I just need that victory that I know that Jesus is in charge. I'd like you to step out and just come down front. Just line up along the front. We're going to have some people come and pray for you. <clears throat> and part of the reason with the uh, stepping out and coming down front thing is more along the lines of um, I, I think sometimes we have to have a, a, a step a true step of faith kind of thing it's a faith thing that says God I need something um, I need something that's bigger than me I need something anybody else I don't, I don't want to rush but you know you know where you, if if you're debating it right now, should I go to you should. That's the that's how you know if you're debating it, you should. That's how you know. And we're gonna have some we're gonna have some people in a second here come and pray for you. In fact, if you guys will turn around and face the front, we'll have some people come stand behind you. I'm gonna make it easier for them. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't. All right, anybody else? I don't want to wait too long. If you're, if you're debating, you're losing the fight right now, okay? So, um, and even if you're saying, well, I don't want to come down front, guys, just pray with us where you're standing. You don't have to be down here to get this done, okay? 
pray with us where you're standing. But I'd like for some people to come stand behind each of these people down here, and we're going to pray. We're going to pray for them. You don't have to know what you're praying about. God knows. The only thing you're doing is standing in solidarity and faith. You're standing in faith with them. <clears throat> and we're, we're, here's, let me give you some instructions of how we pray about this kind of stuff. We don't pray, well, God, maybe you can help or whatever. We, we're, we just talked about the authority of heaven that is in control of everything. We pray with confidence that God is bigger than anything that could possibly happen to anybody up here. So we pray with, 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 with confidence that God is in charge. Let's pray. Lord, we lift these people up to you. Lord, you know exactly what they're going through. God, you're the one that's in charge. You're the authority. You're the power. You're the, the power of the universe. You're the love of the universe. You're the truth of the universe. So Lord, take authority over this right now. In their hearts, and their minds, whatever they're dealing with, first let them know that you're in charge and that they do not have to be defeated. That they do not have to be torn down. That Satan is not bigger than... than than, than God or any of the authority of God. That we can right now, every one of us, Lord, we can resist Satan and he has to flee. It's mandated by the authority of Jesus. So Lord, we stand against the stuff. We stand against the lies, against the sin, against the junk that Satan tries to infiltrate our life with. Lord, you're the one that's in charge. We submit to you. We submit to you. Break down the strongholds. Satan, we declare in the authority in the name of Jesus, we declare that you are defeated, that you have no authority over any of these people right now. You have no authority. Over any person in this building, you have no authority. We belong to God. We obey God. We are covered with the blood of Jesus. Lord, we ask you to give us, give us your victory, Lord. In Jesus' name. God, you're the one that's in charge. You're the one that's in charge. Get it into our mind first. Lord, we're going to tear down human reasoning. We're going to tear down false arguments, the lies that Satan tells us. We're going to stand on your word, Lord God. Your word is the truth. Your word says you're the provider, the redeemer, the savior, the healer. Your word says that. I stand on that. In the name of Jesus, I stand on that. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you for being bigger. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's right. Thank you, Jesus. God, we just receive that. Lord, we embrace that and we receive it in Jesus' name. Lord, we know that your, your, your love for us is what has instigated all this. Jesus coming, your word, everything is, is, is pushed, fueled by your love. Lord, you provide for us and take care of us because of your love. You destroy the strongholds of Satan because you love us. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you. Lord, for every person up here, provide that direction that they need to go. Provide that answer. Provide that next step. How do they break free? How do they get control over something? Whatever it is, Lord, provide that next step in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. God, we thank you for speaking to us. We know you do this because you love us. Now break us free from the stuff. God, and help our faith be our shield. Help our faith be our strength. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you said in Psalms 91 that that you are our protector, that you that you are our sword and our shield, that your truth is our sword and our shield. And we stand on that in Jesus' name. We thank you. So Jesus, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your power to go into tomorrow, this week. We want to be empowered by your Spirit. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Before noon tomorrow, God's going to give you the opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus. Do the best you can. Tell somebody about Jesus, and God will honor that in your life. It's a guarantee. It's a guarantee. So if you're coming to my house for the journey today, please let me know. Some of you have already emailed. That's fine. But uh, let me know, and uh, we will, so we'll have food for you. See you Wednesday night.